After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Now we're in the fourth week of this series on, on formation, and we've been exploring these various spiritual disciplines that are incredibly valuable in forming us as followers of Jesus. Uh, if this is your first Sunday with us, my name is Drew. I'm glad that you're here. Um, you can catch up uh, with the previous weeks online. Um, we have this belief that our faith in Jesus saves us. Amen? We're sinners are saved by grace. That's the good news. We also have a belief that our faith in Jesus forms us. It's it's not just about where we go when we die, it's about how we live today in his name. It's both of those things. And the, the text that I just read is found at the end of the Bible. It comes from the Apostle John at the end of his life. John was someone who walked with Jesus. He had close relationship with Jesus, arguably one of the closest with Jesus. And in his final days in exile on the island of Patmos, he has this vision, this revelation of how things are going to look in the end. And the picture is so beautiful. And it's extremely helpful for us to contemplate today when we have a conversation around the discipline of worship and celebration. Why do we do this thing? And the image is of a, a sea of people. Too many to count. From every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation, all acknowledging together before the throne of Jesus that all glory and honor belong to Jesus, who alone holds salvation. If we take John at his word, which I, I believe that we can, this picture is where we will end up someday. This, this is what we're, this is how it ends. Currently, we, we live in a world that has a, a lot of different perspectives and religious beliefs and practices, but someday, uh, Pastor John mentioned it last week, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That's how it ends. And so if that's where we're headed, if that's what it looks like for all eternity, if that's the end of all things, what does it look like for us as believers in Jesus to live into that reality today? And that's what, that's what we're going to talk about for a few moments. I want to pray first. Lord, we gather in your name because you have been so kind to us. You've poured out your grace through your son Jesus. We have life. We experience forgiveness and mercy because of who you are and what you've done. And I pray this morning that our hearts would be receptive to what you want to say today. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I love how the author... Uh, Paul David Tripp says it. He says, human beings, by their very nature, are worshipers. Worship is not something we do. 
it defines who we are. You cannot divide human beings into those who worship and those who don't. Everybody worships. It's just a matter of what or whom we serve. I've heard a rendition of this in numerous books, articles, uh, from believers and non-believers. It's this commonly held belief that there's something deep within us that's designed to offer worship and praise somewhere. Like we can't get away from it. Uh, I probably don't need to give you some examples, but I'm going to give you a few. Think about, think about uh, professional sports. Need I say more? Uh, if there's one thing we worship in, in this country, we love sports. Uh, and we give them a lot of our attention and our praise. Uh, maybe you're, uh, you like music and you have a popular musician that you follow or an artist. Uh, really think about anything that draws your attention, that draws your devotion, that draws your energy, that draws your, your resources, anything that you want to give your life to and say, whoa, that's amazing, I want to be a part of whatever that is. We love to see awesome things and give them praise. I, I, love, I love golf, I'm a golfer, I love to watch golf. Um, there's people who watch golf and there's people who think that watching golf is stupid. Okay. I love to watch golf. Uh, I was watching the tournament at Pebble Beach uh, this weekend, and, and when an athlete hits a shot, uh, you know, underneath tree limbs with a draw around the bend, around a sand trap, and it rolls up onto the green, there's something inside of me that gets woken up. I'm like, yes! That is it, right? I just want to praise the athletic ability of the individual. I want to celebrate that. Uh, most of you, it's probably not golf that does that inside of you. Maybe, maybe you love music, and when you hear somebody just shred something on the guitar or, or hit a note that's just insane, you're like something inside of you is like, Maybe it's a cup of coffee, any coffee connoisseurs, you take a drink and it's a good cup, not like a, eh, it's okay, but a good cup of coffee, and like you want to break into song, like, <laughs> praise God from whom all blessings flow in this cup of coffee. <laughs> like we just, <laughs> we're designed for it. We want to do it. It's embedded in our DNA because we were created to worship God. Who is awesome, by the way. He's amazing. He's worthy of our praise. And so anything that, that rises to the level of awesome in our lives, we want to give it some attention. And, and it can get a little bit twisted when they get, it gets our devotion and our energy and our resource. It can pull us away. This is a human issue. It's not a new issue. It's, it goes all the way back to the origin of our faith story. Back in the fall, in Genesis chapter 3, we became disordered in our worship. God was no longer central. Other things took place. This is what happened in the very beginning. And if you follow the story of Exodus and Leviticus, God rescues his people to help them reorient their worship. He's helping them remember who's actually sovereign, who's actually king, who's Lord over all, and who's worthy of their devotion and obedience. Everything in the first five books is about helping disoriented and broken people remember who's worthy of their time. <laughs> God even organizes their calendar to help them out because he was well aware of their ability to wander. And so he appointed specific days and times during the year to stop and remember who he was and what he had accomplished for them. Week-long feasts and celebrations. 
Our God loves a good party, by the way. Like, we don't understand what parties are. I mean, they, they celebrated for a week. I, I'm about that. You, you can read about this Leviticus 23. And this is where the concept of worship and celebration uh, kind of come together. And Shannon mentioned it in the video. What, what's worth celebrating, we make time for. We do. Birthdays, anniversaries, graduations, specific moments, calendared moments that we stop. And we look back and we give thanks and we're, we show appreciation like we do this in our life. For a people of faith, all of these moments are connected to a greater story of worshiping God. Because he's ultimately the one who's worthy of all the praise for all the things. He's provided all things. And he's worthy of our worship. In the Old Testament, worship was like, like medicine for a wayward heart. Because singing songs of worship and proclaiming truths about God helped them remember that they were reliant upon him. It was also the way they memorized the truth about God and passed it on to their kids. They didn't have books like we have. They didn't have their own personal Bibles. They didn't have a little black box that had everything you could ever want on your little phone. They remembered and were reminded and encouraged one another in the truths about who God was through song. They were a singing people. It's how they carried their heritage and their history. And today we have lots of ways to access the truth about God, but worship and celebration is still incredibly important. And it's not just Old Testament. It carries into the New Testament. I'm going to give you a couple examples. Uh, Ephesians. Apostle Paul says this to the early church. Ephesians 5. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. They were back then too, by the way. Uh, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Colossians 3, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to, the God, to God the Father through him. So worship and celebration and singing are incredibly important because they're constantly, the practice constantly points us back to our creator. Who he is, what he's accomplished, what he's done. And we absolutely, I absolutely need constant reminders of who he is. Anybody else? Yes. Yes. I need constant reminders. We're like the wandering Israelites. We need the guardrails of worship to keep us from veering off the cliff. I need worship when life gets challenging. Like, I need to worship when I'm walking through grief and loss and uncertainty. I need to worship. I need to worship when my heart is hurting. Worship is medicine for my soul. And, and, it, and it rightly postures my heart in this story of God's amazing grace. Even if I'm not experiencing or feeling it in a moment, it's still true. He's present with me. And I'm going to sing about his goodness. 
Sometimes I just need to sing the love of God into my soul. <laughs> it's like it open the, opens the doors. Uh, I grew up in a home with a singing dad. I've shared this story before, but uh, he would sing and he would whistle. That kind of, was kind of his thing. And it was typically right in the first thing in the morning, uh, like when everybody else is sleeping. Uh, found it important to sing and whistle. And so I, I woke up a lot of mornings as a kid to whistling and singing, and I can't say this was always a gift. In fact, it was a curse as a kid. My, my dad would be going through his kind of normal routines, getting ready, and I would hear something like, blow the trumpets in Zion, Zion. Like as a kid, I'm like, blow the trumpets in Zion? What the heck are we talking about? <laughs> Sound the alarm in my holy mind. Anybody remember that song? Like five of us? <laughs> So I heard these songs, and then he would inevitably he would show up in my room, and he would sing the song. Do you guys remember? I'd sang it before. Rise and shine to God the glory, glory. Okay. <laughs> Deeply impactful as a child. In, in many ways. Uh, here's what I know now. And what was instilled in me even when I just wanted my dad to put a lid on it in the morning. Here's what was instilled in me. My father loved Jesus, and he was rightly ordering his heart for the day. He started his day, did he feel like every morning he woke up, like, singing? No. But he started his day whistling and singing praise to God, because he was rightly ordering his heart, because... When he started his day, he wanted his heart to remember who the true king was. And it wasn't his work. It wasn't his responsibilities. It wasn't the things that he was going to go face. It was King Jesus. And because his heart was rightly ordered, he was actually able to face the things in his life, his responsibilities and the things that he cared for in his work. He rightly ordered his heart. We all need that. And that's, that's a gift. That's one of the gifts of being here today singing together. We don't do this every week. We don't, we don't get to do this every day. Wouldn't that be interesting if you like woke up and like everybody in, was in your room? Uh, what are you doing here? Praise God from you. Know. We don't get to do that every single day, uh, but we get to do this once a week together, and it is, it's a beautiful thing. It's special that we get to be together praising God. Paul thought it was a good idea. He encouraged the early church to do it regularly. He actually encouraged them to do it all the time. That Ephesians passage, address one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Have you ever read that and been like, what? What does that look like? Maybe it's like, rise and shine and give. I mean, right? Like, it's kind of silly, but maybe there's something to, to that. Like, there's something about continually expressing the goodness of God to one another. If you're new to faith or you're new, maybe this is your first time in church, you're really tripping out right now. Um, the singing piece of church, this might be the weirdest part of the experience for you. The last place that you sang lyrics on a screen with a group of people was at a pub during karaoke night. <laughs> like, that's the experience. And now you're in this building doing, you're like, wait a second, this is weird. Right? If you're new. Now, for those who have been in church, it's so natural. But to try to think about it as a new person to faith. That's a weird thing. It can be weird. What's the deal? There's power in singing together. 
And I think that's why we like singing karaoke at the pub. I think that's why we like you know, yelling at our screen for our favorite team. That's why we like going to sporting events and doing these chants. It's, there's something that's so powerful about being unified in our praise. We just believe there's only one person that's worthy of that kind of attention. And so we, we put Jesus where he belongs in our lives. Sports teams, guess what? They're going to come and go. Our favorite athletes, they're going to come and go. They're going to win and lose. Maybe you had a losing season this year and you're all discouraged about it. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, our, <laughs> our work, the things that we do, the work of our hands, our responsibilities, guys, those things are going to be in the rearview mirror someday. You know what will never change? Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, as Hebrews tells. He is unchanging. And eternally, he's worthy of our praise. Someday we're going to stand before him with a multitude, too many to count, from every tribe and nation singing praises. We've just decided to start practicing now. Like, that's the beauty of what we get to do. We're just, we're getting ready for heaven. People all ages, all walks away. I mean, look around this room. It, all carrying many different things, grief, joy, things to celebrate, things to mourn. I mean, think about what is present in this room today. We bring all of our stuff together to worship Jesus. No matter what's going on. Uh, before we moved to Oak Harbor, I, I pastored in Everett. And on Sunday mornings, we hired uh, police officers to help direct traffic because we were on kind of this main road, Madison. And, and so after service, they would make sure people didn't crash. And it was wonderful. Uh, and I remember one of these police officers who wasn't a believer, he, he came to our lead pastor at the time, and he was so confused. Because as he stood on the street in the morning before service started, he, he watched people file into this building driving these, you know, beat-up trucks and brand-new BMWs, people that were walking to service, people that looked discouraged and overwhelmed, people that just looked like they were on cloud nine, people he'd arrested in the past. <laughs> He's, like, watching all of these different people come into the building, and he was so confused, teachers, <laughs> leaders in the city, baristas, parents, little kids. And he was, just had a hard time understanding what happens in there that all of these people make sense being together. Jesus. I mean, it's, it's such a powerful story. Like, you're right, it doesn't make sense outside of Jesus who saves us. That's who he is, a savior of our soul, worthy of our attention. We come to Jesus because we need him. <laughs> As we kind of wrap up this morning, we're going we're gonna to put into practice a couple of the things that we're talking about here, worship and celebration. The first we're going to do, we're going to take communion together, so you can grab those elements. Uh, worship team, you guys can start making your way up here. 
Uh, if you're here this morning and you've been following along and the conversation kind of makes sense, uh, but maybe you're a little unclear about this Jesus guy and why he's worthy of our attention, let me explain what we're about to do and maybe it'll bring more clarity. When God looked over a wayward people with disordered hearts who he created, he didn't abandon them or ignore them. He came for them. He showed up in the flesh, the incarnate God, Jesus, fully God and fully man, and he entered into the brokenness of humanity because he loves what he created. And there was a cost, there was something that had to be paid because there's, there was a consequence for all of our waywardness. And he said, I, I'm going to pay that for all of humanity. I'm the only one who can. I'm, I'm going to give my life for those that have walked away from me because I love them. There are things that outwardly we all do that we know are wrong. There's things in our hearts that nobody knows about that are just evil and wrong. And Jesus, when he showed up, he knew that, and today he knows that. And he came to resolve the problem. He came to deal with the sin. God loved us so much that he came. Paul in 2 Corinthians says, We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, three days later proves that God's love has conquered all things. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. He's conquered sin and death. This meal, symbolic meal that we take, communion, is what we're remembering, is what we're celebrating, is what we're, we're thankful for, we're reminded of, that our God came and showed up and he loves us. And it's not because of what we bring to the table, trust me. I know, I know me. It's because of who he is and his kindness and his mercy towards us. He poured out his life, the bread representing his body being broken. Let's receive that together. The cup representing his blood that was shed that offers all of us forgiveness for all of our sins. Let's receive the cup together. All right, we're gonna we're gonna do something a little fun. Why don't you stand your feet? We're gonna get wild here. We're going we're gonna to do something that we do every week. We already did this morning. But we're going we're gonna to break it apart today um, because I want us to see practically how all of these pieces fit together and how beautiful it actually is, okay? So we're going to sing a, a, a new song. If we can put the first lyrics up, maybe. I need that pick. I'll sing it first, and then I'm going to invite different parts of the body to sing with me, okay? You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. Thanks, Jen. From you are all things. 
to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Okay, that's how it goes. Very simple. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Just the fellas in the room. Now, you may be here and you're like, I don't sing. Or, I don't sing well. Join the club. I'm doing this with you. <laughs> we're going to sing. Just the guys in the room. Ready? You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. Beautiful. For from you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. I like that. Okay? Beautiful. Okay, ladies, just the ladies. You're worthy of Come on. Okay. All together, ready? You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it For from you are all things. 